0: Good morning, uh, pleased to be here this morning, and uh, when Pastor Evan asked me if I would be interested in uh, speaking, I said yes, because I love studying God's Word, and I love being able to share it, and uh, then he assigned me the text, which is a text on eschatology, and my first thought was, come on, man, uh, what am I going to say about eschatology, but uh, it didn't take me long in studying it to find out that God has a lot to say about eschatology. And it's a very important subject to him. And so this morning, it's going to be really light on what I have to say. And it's going to be really heavy on what he has to say. And I feel like that's very appropriate given the gravity of this uh, message. Now, when I was in high school, uh, you've got to remember this is back in the 70s. This is when I could go to the cafe and get a burger for 50 cents. I paid 59 cents a gallon for gas for for my car, uh, but I could only buy five gallons at a time because it was during the oil crisis. And uh, I worked at a local drugstore for $1.65 an hour. That was the minimum wage at the time. But one of the perks of working at this drugstore is when the owner of the drugstore would go out of town um, he and his family, then I got to house-sit their, at their house. They had a nice color TV, which we didn't have at our house, and they had a little Pekingese dog that I took care of. And pretty much everyone knows when you house it for someone else, it's not a good plan to invite the whole high school over for a big party, which I did not do. I was smarter than that, but I did borrow his awesome 1969 Cougar XR7 one time for a little joy ride, and I didn't get very far until I got pulled over by a local police officer who knew that he was out of town and that that car probably should be in the garage. So that wasn't a very good plan either. So I went to my wife and I thought maybe she has some great house sitting stories and she just told me that when I house sat I made sure everything was cleaned up and put away and I was sitting there waiting when the owner came back which does not give us an awesome story, but that is how it's done, folks. Uh, You don't want to be taken by surprise when the owner comes home. Now, I use the word eschatology, and uh, as Pastor Evan mentioned earlier, that's the study of Christ's second coming, the day of judgment and salvation of the faithful. And that's what our text today in Mark chapter 13 is a study of. So let's take a look at that text this morning This is Mark chapter 13, starting with verse 24. Mark 13, starting with verse 24. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells each one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. I think it's important to look at the context of this passage of scripture. Um, the triumphant entry has already occurred this is the last week of Christ's ministry here on earth and he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey they lauded him as the savior um, there was a lot of rejoicing and proclaiming him the Messiah and yet he knew that in less than a week the same people would be screaming for his crucifixion so maybe it was the, 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 the heart of man the I don't know, just that they don't get it, that led him to lead uh, to study about uh, and talk about end times. It was maybe just the fickleness of where they were at that led him to, to say, we need to alert them to this. In the book of uh, Mark, chapter 13, there are also parallel passages to this passage in Luke and Matthew, and I'll be referring to those But the the important thing to understand is that in this passage there are two interwoven prophecies. The first prophecy was about the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. And at that time the Romans uh, destroyed Jerusalem, and the dissidents who were able to get away fled to a fortress called Masada, and the Roman army laid siege to the uh, fortress of Masada, And there when they ran out of food and water, everyone committed suicide, and and that ended a Jewish rebellion to the Roman occupation at that time. So that is the uh, first part of Mark chapter 13 is the prophecy concerning the destruction of Jerusalem. And you'll also notice in the passage that I read about the fig tree, that also pertains to the uh, prophecy of of the destruction of Jerusalem. Now. The part we're concerned with, the second part, is uh, about end times. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Going back to the text, uh, in in verse 24 of chapter 13, it says, But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken." This is an interesting quote that Jesus made from, actually from the book of Isaiah. In chapter 34 of Isaiah, there's a passage where Isaiah talks about judgment against the nations, and that's a quote Jesus makes here. In Isaiah 34, 4, it says, "'All the stars in the sky will be dissolved, "'the heavens rolled up like a scroll. "'All the starry host will fall like withered leaves "'from the vine, like shriveled figs from the tree.'" This passage uh, from Isaiah and from Mark, with the sun growing dark, the moon not giving us light, stars falling from the sky, uh, I don't even know what to say about this passage. I know that sometimes our earthly languages are so limited that they have a hard time describing events, uh, eternal events, heavenly events. and so. I feel like that might be one of these times here, but I can tell you that there are things that are going to happen in the last days that the natural laws of science can't describe. God is going to orchestrate some amazing events. You won't miss it when the second coming occurs. Matthew 24, 37 adds, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man, For in those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. And that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now, I think it's interesting that that Jesus cited Noah and the flood here in his words because that also was a day of judgment just as the second coming will be a day of judgment. And I find three things that occurred during the flood that will also occur during the second coming. First of all, it's the unexpectedness of the event. Uh, People were marrying, giving in marriage uh, at the time of, of Noah and they didn't expect the flood and it came. And in the same way, people are not going to be prepared when Christ returns to earth. The second thing I see is that the creator's control over his creation. We can't forget that God created this earth, that he made all of this, and it's at his beck and call. By a word, he created everything in the universe, in our world, everything in it, and it's his creation. He will do as he sees fit. And the third thing I see is his willingness to alter natural law to suit his own purposes. I think of other events that is describes in Scripture. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah. Of course, Jesus mentions the flood here. And the same will be true during the second coming. Uh, God is going to alter natural law to suit his own purposes. And that's described in this passage in Mark chapter 13. Uh, things happening in the sky and on earth that are beyond what we can imagine. Going back to chapter 13 in Mark, it says, At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. I don't know about you, but when I first see this passage, my my first inclination is to be terrified. We're talking about Christ coming with great power and glory, angels going out and gathering the elect from the ends of the earth. It's going to be an amazing event. And I think, how exciting to be one of the elect, to be a part of this. But How terrifying not to be one of the elect. In verse 32 of Mark 13, Jesus goes on, But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert, you do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away, he leaves his house and puts his servants in charge each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midday or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. So we can attempt to uh, nail down the timing of when the second coming will be, and many have have attempted that, but it's a rather futile exercise because Jesus said, nobody knows the day or the hour. He says, I don't even know, only the Father in heaven. And we can speculate on what those events and what the events leading up to these events will look like, but we really aren't given that much detail on what will happen. And I feel like Jesus did so on purpose because the focus of his message is not the timing or the amazing events that will transpire, but it's that we would be prepared, that we would be ready for them. He's calling us to engage in spiritual alertness as a lifestyle. He's calling on us to engage in spiritual alertness as a lifestyle. In the parallel passage in Luke chapter 21, Jesus said, "'Be on guard so that your hearts "'will not be weighted down "'with dissipation and drunkenness "'and the worries of life, "'and that day will not come on you suddenly "'like a trap, for it will come. "'It will come upon all those "'who dwell on the face of the earth. "'But keep on the alert at all times, "'praying that you may have strength "'to escape all these things "'that are about to take place,' and to stand before the Son of Man. Be on your guard. Be alert. When was the last time that you prayed that you might be found faithful at the end of your life or at the second coming of Christ? When was the last time you prayed for others in the church that they too would be found faithful? Christ is calling us to do that here we're going to face some difficult times. In Acts 20, uh, it describes an event where Paul meets with the Ephesian elders, and he knows that he's never going to see them again, but he gives them this warning. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them therefore be on your alert so as i looked at this text i asked as i looked at this text i asked myself uh, some questions like why is this text recorded and the easy answer is because christ is coming back again he came once was born of the virgin mary um, Lived on earth, did ministry, was crucified, was raised from the dead, went to be with the Father in heaven, but he is coming back. He promised, just as he promised the destruction of Jerusalem. But it goes deeper than just uh, the fact that he's coming back, it's more deeper than just predicting the event. In Luke 18, uh, Christ told a parable about the persistent widow. And this woman came to the unrighteous judge and kept coming and kept coming and kept coming until finally he granted her justice. And at the end of that parable, uh, Christ gives us a very sobering thought. He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Continuing in Luke 21, it says, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, Stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh. Now, Luke's description is rather terrifying. He talks about nations being in anguish. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, heavenly bodies being shaken. But yet he ends this passage with a positive thing. He said for those who believe in Jesus Christ lift up your heads your redemption is drawing nigh. So the message of Mark chapter 13 and the parallel passages is one to watch and to be alert to be ready. For believers in Christ there's a message of hope. There's more to this life than what we're experiencing here So what are we to do with this passage? Returning to Matthew 24, it says, listen to what Christ says. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Does any of this sound familiar? Does it sound like social media to you? People hating each other, love of people growing cold. I feel like this message is critically important for us at this time in uh, the history of the world, but my wife reminded me that probably every generation felt like this, this message was critical to them too. Um, We're one generation closer to the second coming of Christ though. The thing I wanna challenge you with is to be encouraged at this thought, to stand firm. Don't allow yourself to be deceived by the words of evil people. Don't let your hearts grow cold. Don't allow a discouragement to come in and weaken your faith Christ has given us these promises in scripture The apostle Peter was there when Christ talked about in times and I can't help thinking that maybe he was reflecting back on Christ's message when he recorded 2 Peter chapter 3 this is verses 9 through 14 what Peter wrote to uh, the saints. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. So what application can we make from these passages from Mark chapter 13 and the parallel passages of the gospel? Um, I I came up with four things, four applications to make. The first is this. This passage calls us to repentance. Let me ask you this. Does the thought of Christ's return strike terror in your heart? Are you ready for that? Have you ever placed your faith in the Christ who uttered these words, who promised this would take place? If not, if you're seeing your need for a Savior today, I'm asking you to please contact myself or Pastor Garrett or Pastor Evan. We would love the privilege of sharing salvation in Jesus Christ with you. Please contact us if you're not ready for these events to take place. If you are a believer, have you been caught in Satan's trap of apathy and dissipation? Have you allowed yourself to be saved to be deceived by the words of evil people? Peter wrote, God is not slow concerning his promise as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is God waiting on you before he causes these events to unfold? There's still time. Repent and lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing nigh. I feel like this passage is calling us to watch, to be alert, to be spiritually alert to what is happening around us, to make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with Him. So how can we be found in a right relationship with God? We do so by dying to our destructive desires and allowing Christ's spirit to indwell us and empower us to live a life of victory instead of defeat. The secret to living a holy and godly life is to let God live it through us. If you'd like to understand that process better, I would be thrilled to talk to you about living victoriously through the power of Jesus Christ. It's what I feel like my life message is from here on out. I'll always be talking about Christ empowering us to live the life he've called us to live. I feel like this passage is calling us to a lifestyle of prayer, to be engaged in conversation with Christ as we go about our day, so that we are not caught in surprise by the tactics of the enemy or the events of the second coming. In Ephesians 6:18, Paul wrote, "With all prayer and petition Pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. He's calling us to a lifestyle of prayer. And lastly, the, I feel like this passage calls us to hope, not fear. Those who have put their faith in Christ have no reason to be terrified of death or the second coming. I'm going to say it again. Those who have put their faith in Christ have no reason to be terrified of death or the second coming. For the believer, these last days are a time to hold up our heads in confidence, for our redemption is drawing nigh. What an awesome opportunity to be included in the eternal kingdom of God. I'd like to ask the band to uh, come forward now. Uh, And I'd like to pray for all of you that you would prepare yourself, be ready for the second coming. Lord Jesus, you came and you died on the cross for our sin. You came that we might have an opportunity to spend eternity with you. I hate to think that that sacrifice was done in vain when your message has gone out and people have hardened their hearts and refused to believe it, refuse to accept it refuse to accept the very salvation that could free them from the bondage of sin the very, the very message that could enable them to live the life you've called them to by the power of your Holy Spirit Father I pray that you would take this message uh, humbly delivered by your servant and uh, cause it to to move the hearts of those who hear it. Father, bless these words that they might accomplish what you would have them to accomplish. It's in the name of Jesus Christ I pray. Amen.